This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Cardiology and Heart Surgery Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. David Singh, an electrophysiologist at the Queen's Health System in Honolulu. Dr. Singh, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Now, I know we're going to talk a lot about heart rhythm disorders and a few other things that you're noticing in healthcare today, as well as um, tips for emerging leaders. But before we do that, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your career? Yeah, sure. So I came late to the decision to actually become a doctor. I went to school on the East Coast and um, actually ended up majoring in religious studies and philosophy uh, as an undergrad. And then just decided that that wasn't really the kind of career that I wanted, although I really enjoyed that, that education. And a little bit later on in life, decided to become a doctor, went to medical school, and then just kept kind of going through different fields as one does in, in medical school, trying to figure out what, you know, what was the best fit for me. And I landed on electrophysiology, which is a subspecialty of cardiology that focuses exclusively on the electrical activity of the heart and everything that goes wrong with it. Got it. Absolutely. And so when you're making that decision to kind of jump in and um, make a a change in your focus areas, what really attracted you to electrophysiology? I think for me, it was the intellectual aspect of the field, which I found to be really fascinating. The, The rhythm disorders are very much like a puzzle. And to understand exactly what's going wrong, electrically speaking, you have to kind of decode that puzzle and every patient is unique. So every puzzle is a little bit unique. And I really liked the process of trying to unlock that puzzle and figure out, you know, exactly what was going on. And then the other part of it is that it's not just thinking, it's actually doing. So in electrophysiology, it's a, an invasive, you know, uh, specialty. So we're actually working inside people's hearts to try and figure out exactly what's gone wrong. And then we, when we figure it out, we actually do something. So it requires a technical uh, expertise as well that I really enjoyed. So I think it was that combination of both of those things that make the field quite unique and what really drew me to it. Got it. Got it. That's fascinating. So from your perspective, what are the biggest issues for patients with heart rhythm disorders today? Well, I think that probably the most important heart rhythm disorder is a disorder known as atrial fibrillation. And this is the most common electrical disorder in in the world by far. It's largely a disease of aging. So um, if you're over the age of 80, you know, 20% of people will actually have AFib. And as a, you know, healthcare system, um, this is a a huge issue. It costs, you know, the system billions of dollars every year. And the management of AFib is is complex and nuanced. So I, I think how we take on AFib is probably the most important singular topic in heart rhythm disorders today. I think as we, and the, the other part that I, the other thing that I would mention about is there's still a lot that we really don't understand about the disease, you know, what causes it, how to control it, all of those kinds of things. So I think focusing on AFib in our field is really going to be critical uh, in, the, in the upcoming years. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. And, you know, it's so interesting to think about, as you said, kind of fitting together the pieces of the puzzle and still a lot of room for discoveries, it sounds like. It is. And that's why, you know, our field right now is in kind of a renaissance and it's really exciting to be a part of that. The technology is changing, you know, on a very rapid pace. Our ability to understand the mechanisms underlying heart rhythm disorders is growing every day. So it's kind of fun and exciting to be in a field where you're in a a real growth spurt in terms of you know, our understanding of the, these diseases and, and how to treat them. 
Got it. Got it. So how do you see heart care evolving over the next 18 months or so? Or do you need a longer time frame to, to work with? Well, I mean, it's just fascinating. You know, I mean, I think one of the things that we learned from COVID was, you know, we were forced to change very rapidly. And this is not unique to cardiology, but um, our entire model of care, you know, uh, changed from having patients come in to see us in the office and, you know, come in for procedures and under a certain kind of context. To, and we had to revamp all of that stuff in a very, very short period of time, an extraordinarily short period of time. So who knows, you know, what the next 18 months will bring. Hopefully things will be more stable. But I do think the, the, there will be some shifts. I mean, I think that the, you know, hopefully we'll begin to focus more on prevention and understanding really what causes these diseases. So, you know, they don't end up needing procedures in the long run. And the entire idea of how we take care of patients will change. So, you know, rather than, you know, a patient, you know, having, being insured and, you know, coming to see their doctor uh, and, you know, hospitals taking care of really, really sick patients and so forth. I think we're really thinking more in terms of like population health. Like, so how do we make, you know, a population uh, at large healthier? What kinds of systems and um, therapies do, can we have in place to ensure that on a, on a large scale, that we're making our uh, communities safer and you know healthier overall. So I think that's a really you know going to be an exciting thing to see. Um, and there's a lot of transformation going on I think now here in Hawaii around this issue. And you know there's a rapidly evolving. Who knows what it's going to look like in the next two years. Absolutely, that's that's a really great point. Now I'm wondering what are you most excited about today, and what makes you nervous? I'm really excited about the incredible transformation that's happening in our understanding of how to treat electrical disorders. Like, I mean, I've been in practice for about 10 years and what I'm doing today is really quite different than what I was doing 10 years ago in terms of the technology. Our ability to do things safer, more efficiently, with more precision is really radically different. And I expect that we're still on the steep part of that curve. So as we you know, continue to grow and develop, that that to me is incredibly exciting. And like I was saying earlier, to be in the middle of the action in a field that's just, you know, growing and expanding every day is really great. What makes me nervous, honestly, is the healthcare system itself. You know, I think uh, personally that uh, clearly there needs to be even more reform. Um, I think we need to understand how to contain costs. And, you know, these technologies, for example, are, are very expensive. And if we don't pay attention to the, that element of the equation, I think we're going to find ourselves in a more and more difficult situation. I want to make sure that, you know, these kinds of therapies are available to everybody, uh, you know, not just people with insurance and that kind of thing. So I'm nervous that unless we meet the growing challenges in healthcare with thoughtful responses about how to revamp our system, that we're not going to be doing the best that we can. Got it. I think that really makes a ton of sense. And, you know, when you look at some of the um, efforts that are going on right now to um, expand access or expand coverage, um, is there anything that you see as being a, a promising solution? <laughs> uh, that's like a million dollar question and probably above my pay grade. You know, I think this is obviously a very divisive issue. Um, you know, where I stand personally is, I, I, you know, I think that, you know, we should ensure as a society that everybody has an access to good quality healthcare. 
Um, and that it doesn't mean that you have to save up all your money and put, put all your savings into an account just in case you get sick one day. You know, I, I really believe that as a society, we have an obligation, you know, to take care of our communities and, and ensure that they're healthy. In terms of what that system looks like, I mean, you know, that I'll leave that for the healthcare economists and, and the people in Washington to figure out. But uh, one thing I feel very strongly about is, is to say that I think the system as it is now is really quite broken. And I think we have to come up with a better solution in terms of how we take care of our patients. We're, we're very good in this country at taking care of patients if they're incredibly sick and you're on death's door. We're, we're really adept at that. We're really not so good at taking care of all patients, right? We don't, we don't have, we have an access problem in this country. So not everybody has the same kind of access and we don't do as well on, on the preventative side. So I think there's a lot of ground to be gained and whatever system we envision, I think really has to take those different elements into account. Got it. Got it. Thank you, Dr. Singh. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, can you share three pieces of advice for emerging physician leaders today? Yes. I think one, don't be afraid to be a leader. You know, I think this is it may seem fairly obvious, but, you know, in medical school, we weren't trained to necessarily be leaders. We were trained to be doctors and you go and you see your patient, you do your charting and then you go home, you know, and that, that in itself is, is all consuming. But, you know, I, I think it's very important for physicians' voices to be heard, whether it's in terms of how healthcare should look or whether it's at a local level at your own hospital. It's important for physicians to be engaged uh, in, in all elements of healthcare, not just direct patient care. So I would say, you know, to uh, young physicians coming out of training, uh, you know, get engaged, you know, be a leader, you know, whether it's being involved in committees through uh, various societies and, you know, with respect to legislation, lobbying, or in your own hospital, you know, joining committees and getting engaged in leadership. I think that's very important. I think the second thing is, you know, leadership doesn't come naturally to everybody. Some people are kind of bored natural leaders, but most of us aren't. And leadership is really a skill. And it needs to be cultivated and honed. And, you know, I'm really lucky, for example, at my hospital, you know, they're very invested at training physician leaders. So we have the opportunity to, you know, go to trainings and continue to develop our leadership skills uh, as we as we grow. So I think it's important to realize that you don't just, you know, become a leader overnight, uh, unless you're one of those rare gifted people for whom that comes very naturally. I think it's something that needs to be cultivated. Uh, and the last thing I would say is that I think leadership requires a lot of humility. And that might seem like kind of a strange, you know, um, uh, tip. But I think as physicians, we tend to be very comfortable being in control, being decisive, being the one who calls the shots. And leadership is is different. You know, you have to be willing to work with coalitions. You have to be willing to listen to different ideas. You have to be willing to work with difficult people sometimes. And that's not easy. So I think having humility is really, really important when you're going to be a leader. It's one of the most important ingredients, I think, to being a successful leader. So just kind of checking yourself and being humble, I think, is uh, extremely important. Dr. Singh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me.